What's up, Bears fans? We're about halfway through the NFL season. The NBA and NHL just kicked off theirs, and sports betting season, it's in full force, which means you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. BetUS have been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. And they have loads of bonuses that you can take advantage of. Join now at BetUS.com today and receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code CHICAGO125. BetUS has all your NFL games with team and player props and loads of NFL futures and odds. You can also bet on college football games, NBA, NHL, PGA golf, UFC matches, and more. They have every bet type imaginable, and the BetUS mobile platform is easy to use with full betting options. So follow my lead and get your sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Cash in on your 125% sign-up bonus at BetUS.com with our code CHICAGO125. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. Bet U.S. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our Chicago Bears Week 9 preview show as we're ready to set the stage for the Monday night showdown between our Bears and the Pittsburgh Steelers. After dropping three straight games, two of which were blowouts, and the other one was, well, squandering a game that they should have won, what exactly are we going to get this week from the Bears going up against a Steelers team that has won three straight? Well, that's where we're going to try to figure out in this episode. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mason West. Nicholas Moriano, he's unable to make it due to a personal reason. But Mason, it's been a hot minute. How are things going over in your world? Overall, not too bad. Uh, it's We were just talking. It is an interesting NFL news cycle um, with a lot of that stuff going on, sometimes, especially with where the Bears are at, where the Steelers are at. Um it kind of makes it almost like a little bit of a diminished game, you know, a bit. It's not quite as hyped up as it could be uh, just because there's some more like real, real things going on in the NFL world. But, you know, at the end of the day, we, we got to we get to cover a team that we love. So it's still a good time. It, it sure is. And I know you were on vacation and then I had to step aside for a couple of weeks for some personal stuff. But things going well with you? Oh, yeah, overall doing great. Like I said, got back from Disney. You know, the apparently uh, all of the warmth stayed in Disney and wasn't here because, you know, it's been in the 20s and 30s in the Chicagoland area, so that's been pretty rough. But overall, just having a good time. You know, the work's been going really good. My student, sadly, is leaving soon. We talked about that. So I got to go back to doing real, real work. And uh, like we were talking about, though, he is a Packers fan. So this last couple of days has been interesting with him. I can tell, uh, without a doubt. And at least over here on my end, we're down to three weeks uh, until the arrival of Baby. Just had another checkup here uh, today, and everything's looking good for him and uh, his eventual uh, arrival here. Everything's on schedule and on time. Uh, So that's just me letting you know uh, to prepare yourself. Uh, And as I kind of continue to do the same uh, as this new adventure uh, awaits me, but I'm excited to kind of get back into a game preview flow. I was telling you in the green room before we went live, like, oh man, I forget what a game preview episode's all about. It's been uh, like a couple weeks since I've actually uh, done one of these, uh, but I feel like it's riding a bike and I can just pick off where I left off. So are you ready to kind of jump in and talk about this upcoming Bears-Steelers matchup? Oh, I'm ready, and I got a curveball for you that Nick's been uh, being able to do last couple weeks, so we'll see if you can fill his shoes in that segment. Right on. I look forward to that uh, when the time allows, but let's go ahead and jump right into this game preview. Let's begin 
today's discussion by looking at the Chicago Bears offense. And I want to kind of start this by looking at that Steelers defense and the challenges that they will pose this Bears unit. On the year, the Steelers give up the 11th least yards per game at about 352, uh, which is, I'll put in quotation marks, the easiest mark that we've seen in some time as our last three opponents all rank at the top 10 in this category. Uh, Pittsburgh is also pretty stingy in terms of allowing points. Uh, They give up the seventh fewest on the year, only 20.3. Uh, Mason, I just kind of laid a quick uh, macro level view, but do you have any specific concerns uh, about the Steelers and what they kind of bring to the table this week? So what the Steelers bring is a decent pass rush. And actually in the previous game that they had against the Browns, uh, did a pretty good job stopping the run, which is what in theory the Bears have been leaning on over the last, uh, really the entire year, let's be real. Um, in the Steelers' previous two games, you know, they gave up a combined 5.56 yards per rushing attempt over those two games against the Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks. Not exactly vaunted rushing attacks there. But then against the Browns, the Steelers managed to hold them to 4.17 yards per attempt on the day. And also, uh, this is the first time in four games in which the Steelers held their opponents under 100 yards of rushing in that game. Now, keep in mind, yes, Kareem Hunt was out. Uh, Baker Mayfield playing on a bum shoulder that, you know, so his passing wasn't necessarily where you might expect it to be. Odell Beckham was being Odell Beckham, but that's still impressive, especially when you consider that at the end of the day, look how the Bears did against Cleveland's offensive attack. Not the rushing attack didn't do the greatest there. And it was interesting to see how they did it. Uh, they had Terrell Edmonds, one of their safeties, down in the box a good amount. Probably one they weren't as worried about the deep ball with Baker. But uh, just having that stack box, he was able to make some athletic plays. And then having Cameron Hayward was a force. Uh, watching a couple of plays there, he was taking on blocks, blowing up rushing lanes. I mean, yards had a lot of tackles for loss. That is something that to me would be relatively concerning because – when the Bears did find a spark in this last game a little bit, they actually were able to move the ball. It was off of not just the run game, but then feeding off of that, right? The play action, the rollouts. And if Cameron Hayward is able to penetrate up the field and blow that up, if you have, you know, we haven't even talked about the outside linebackers that they have in TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, it could result in a long night. It really could. I mean, that pass rush, fourth in the NFL, averaging about 2.7 sacks per game. Uh, They're coming off a game where they did take down Baker Mayfield four times. Uh, They also got six quarterback hits on him. And uh, as we know all too well, this Bears offense still does struggle to protect Justin Fields. He remains the highest sack quarterback this season. Uh, He also got sacked four times a week ago himself. Um, But you look at T.J. Watt, you look at Cameron Hayward, they combined for 59 total pressures this year and 11 sacks. Uh, So the Bears' offensive line, will be challenged here. I'll be here to see with another week of this starting five unit with Larry Borm, who I thought played very well last week, how they can kind of continue that growth a, a little bit and trending in the right direction. Although Larry Borm going up against a TJ Watt is going to be a very tough matchup uh, for this Bears offense in general. And you also mentioned stopping the run. That was on my list here as well. On the year, they're just average. But what I saw last week and how they shut down the NFL's top rushing attack really concerns me. Uh, You saw a defense that was kind of in full run-stop mode. As you said, they weren't worried about the deep ball. They were just focusing on stopping the run, and you know they're going to have the same exact mentality coming into this game on Monday night. The Bears were the second-best rushing offense over the last three weeks, averaging about 153 yards per game on the ground in that span. Guys like Cameron Hayward, even though he's a good pass rusher, he's also a very strong run defender, the best on the entire team. And they're just able to succeed last week, again, just to do a great team defense. We saw them flowing to the ball. They weren't getting a lot of penetration in the backfield, but they were able to hold their own at the line of scrimmage and kind of move laterally to kind of bottle up Nick Chubb last week for the Browns. And the other one I wanted to add in here, Mason, is just – the Steelers' red zone prowess. Fifth best defense in a red zone this season. Only on teams to score touchdowns on about 47.6% of those trips. Uh, they're also really good at limiting those trips inside the 20, uh, just due to a very good third down defense as well. Only allow teams to move the chains on 37% of those third downs. So they kind of force offenses off the field often. And when they do allow some of those longer drives, they're good at limiting opposing units to only three. And for this Bears offense, all of that resistance is a little bit concerning to me. Any other challenges that they kind of pose or any just bigger concerns on this Bears offense in general heading into this week? 
So, you know, I saw a couple, there were a couple questions in the chat and that sparked me to think of a couple things. One, uh, in terms of Tevin Jenkins, we don't really know anything about him, right? And that does, it's an interesting topic because let's say he's healthy enough, which I still personally don't think he is. I think he's going to be a couple more weeks away from even considering that. The last clip we saw, he was pretending to be a quarterback. And by that, I mean, he's, the ball was snapped to him and he stood there and he held it. <laughs> that, that was the extent of what we saw last week. Um, and, you know, People saying, where is going to come in? Is he going to replace Peters? Is he going to replace Borm? Do you move Peters to guard? Do you put Tevin at guard? Like, I feel like this is going to be a redshirt here for Tevin Jenkins. Let's be real. I don't see a huge benefit to throwing him out there. And then I don't know if that helps Justin either. Like, protect Justin. Jason Peters has been playing fine. Moving on from that. Uh, someone else mentioned about David Montgomery. Yes, he was back at practice today. Um, to me, he still was favoring that knee. I mean, he still looked good. Uh, I, I tweeted out, like, he looked better than I thought he would, to be completely honest. I tweeted out, like, that he's basically cyborg. Um, if anything, if we can get that rolling, you know, let's just get that nickname going. That'd be fantastic. Um, but I think he's still a week away. Plus, you have the bye coming up. So why force it? Let him heal up, get him back for the Ravens game. Um, so expect a lot of Killer Herbert. And if you have that single running back, an effective running back, because Daniel Williams really didn't do much at all before he kind of went out for with his own injury stuff. We saw what happened when Quill Herbert had to go out for a bit. We saw what happened. He was a little banged up in that second half. It really changed what this offense could do. So that's a problem. And when you add on top of that, like the Bears are dead last in yards after catch. Basically, every yard in the passing game is just in throwing the ball. You know, the Bears are at 512 total yards after catch and are 109 yards behind the second worst team. And that's ridiculous. And part of that mm-hmm. is they lead the league in hitches. Even like there was that one play Darnell Mooney had, it was a third down conversion. It was a beautiful throw. It was a deep pass, which was nice, but it was a long pitch. It was a long comeback. How do you get a yard out yards after catch when those are the routes you're running? You know, I know if Nick was here, he would be talking about the Allen Robinson slant that did so well at the end of last year, which seems to have gone away. Um, you, just, you just don't have that. There aren't really enough routes that allow the receivers to catch the ball on the run and be able to move forward. And part of that, too, is the pressure given up by the offensive line. Part of it is just in reading the defense. There's so many layers to it. So when you have that all happening, that's when someone like a Cameron Hayward, that's when a TJ Watt can put a lot of pressure on your quarterback and it's a vicious cycle. Yeah, no, it's concerning. Uh, the lack of yards after the catch with what should be a decent amount of playmakers at these skill positions uh, that the Bears do possess. So you make up uh, you know, a really good point there, uh, Mason. I want to kind of switch our focus to maybe some potential positives here. I already mentioned the fact uh, the Bears have a good stretch of games of decent production on the ground, over 150 yards per game. Uh, is there a weakness that you see in this Steelers defense, or is there uh, some ways that you expect this Bears offense to succeed on Monday night? You know, I'm personally kind of struggling here. I believe this Steelers defense does match up pretty well against this Bears of- offense overall. That's the thing. I don't see a huge hole in the defense. If anything, the Steelers' struggles have come on the other side of the ball for the most part on that offensive side, which we'll get to. But, you know, they have a good D-line. They have a really solid starting cornerback. Their safeties are are good. They don't allow a lot of explosive plays, things of that nature. So where do you attack them? Uh, To me, it seems like you have to do kind of what the Bears almost refuse to do, which is to use the quick game, to use – Justin's athleticism and to use the, the weapons you have. The few times that they did try to run a screen, screen wheel in that game against the 49ers, penalties. You had mm-hmm. James Daniels, you know, you had Cody White here, illegal man downfield. You're shooting yourself in the foot. But so if you're, but the plays look good. I mean, like it, they did. If we, they, when you got the ball in Coyle Herbert's hands on a screen, when you let Justin roll out, you know, uh, that, that pass to, to Goodwin, I believe it was on a third down. I mean, it was a beautiful thing. Cole Komet is starting to find himself a little bit. He's, you know, he's definitely more active in the passing game than he has been in, especially at the beginning of the season. So the Bears kind of have to do what they've been hesitant to do, but they finally showed that they were willing to do in that 49ers game. Yeah, I I agree a hundred percent. And, just in general, I think if the Bears want to succeed, they're going to have to find ways to be more aggressive through the air if they can find the time, uh, whether that be you know, protection up front or moving the pocket or getting Justin on some design rollouts. Uh, the Steelers, even though they're solid as a unit, they're not super aggressive in terms of attacking the football in the air. Only two interceptions on the season, 12 PBUs. They are allowing about 11 yards per completion, 777 yards after the catch this year. So they're prone to allowing you to succeed through the air. It's just a matter of can the Bears 
dial up the appropriate plays. And as of right now, I don't have a lot of confidence that he can do that at a clip that's going to make a big difference uh, in this game. Uh, let's kind of go into the next segment, which is just adding more to the Bears game plan this week and what that should look like. Uh, for me, it's what worked before may not actually be our formula this week. That's because when you look at uh, the Steelers' defense, they've been kind of doing that Bill Belichick type of approach this year, which is taking away the offense's biggest threat and force them to find other ways to move the ball. Uh, so the ability to overcome that this week is going to be crucial, which means I feel like they're going to almost kind of copy and paste what we saw a week ago, which is bottle up the run, take away uh, Khalil Herbert. And if they want to take it one step further, Mason, I, I'm sure you would agree completely, is that they'll also try to take away a Darnell Mooney as Justin Fields' first read because he's been leaning heavily uh, on him too. So if they do take away those two playmakers, the Bears' ability or lack thereof to find other outlets is going to be crucial to the success or failure uh, of this unit in general uh, comes Monday night. Uh, how about you? Any other kind of approaches or any other bits and pieces you want to kind of add to this weekly game plan? Yeah, I mean, if I were a Steelers defensive coordinator, I would do exactly like you said. Like, I'm not going to let the ground game beat me, so sell out to stop that, and I'm not going to let Darnell Mooney run past me. I mean, because he, he, that has been the offense. If you take away you know, either Montgomery or Herbert, whoever was running that particular week, and if you took away Darnell Mooney, what is the Bears' offense? And then you would hear crickets. Yeah. It, 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 that's literally what it is. So, but if you flip it now, and I'm putting on now my Bears hat back on, attack the middle of the field. Whenever you see Justin Fields passing charts, it's always the edge throws, right? It's a lot of the out routes. It's a lot of those comebacks uh, to the 10-yard, right to the sticks and back. There aren't when was the last time you saw a seam route to a tight end? When was the last time we saw we talked about the slants? When those deep posts, we actually saw one finally at a good win, and it was a completion. We would have thunk it. Um, just things like that, like attack the middle of the field and make it so that either the safeties have to now back up a little bit because you're starting to make them worry about that deep pass, or you know that they have to back those linebackers up too because now they, they can't come up on the run as much. The other thing I would say is the Bears – pretty consistently run the ball on first down and i'm not saying like deep throw a deep pass literally first play of the game on first down but every once in a while you do have to make them be worried about that so let justin throw a deep pass you know scheme it up in a way that it's you know a deep ball to the outside shoulder so it's either the receiver catches it or nobody give a little extra protection and make the Steelers have to worry like yeah justin has the accuracy he might throw a deep on us because that that'll create some of those running lanes too yeah, I mean, really good point. So I'm, I'm still kind of just hyper-focused on the lack of seam production. I'm from the Bears side ends. I think if you go all the way back to our Countdown to Camp episodes, I was clamoring for that pretty hard. And I really thought they had the personnel and the quarterback situation to really get it done. But it has not came to fruition uh, whatsoever. Uh, question on offense for this week, now that you mentioned tight ends. Jimmy Graham is now back off of the COVID list. Would it be a mistake to for him to completely, I guess, erase Jesse James' involvement uh, in this offense that we saw, like that uptick over the last two weeks? Because I, I have a feeling the Bears could do themselves a disservice by just going right back to Graham when Fields and you know James have that connection they established in training camp preseason, and we saw it really come together last week. Oh, you mean like when Justin Fields throws to people that he's used to throwing to, it goes better? Crazy yeah. thoughts, right? I mean, I, I know I made a face when you said that because – because there's two thoughts that popped in my head immediately and they were kind of fighting each other. Because there was the thought of what will the Bears do, which is pretty much, I think, throw Graham back in there and waste the, the position. And then goes to what you were saying. What should they do? Why, at this point, why not just let Jesse James, have Jesse James out there? Because maybe you bring him back on another cheap deal, right? Because Graham shouldn't be here next year. That That's the hope at this point, especially with the lack of production, why he's one catch for 11 yards. Uh, let Horstead be out there. I mean, Horstead was able, was able to show on the one touchdown catch he had this year that he was able to fend off coverage and make a tough catch, which unfortunately Cole Komet couldn't do last year. Now, or like, sorry, last game. Now, yes, Fred Warner was kind of draped all over him, had his arm pinned, but you got make a catch for your quarterback. And so Jimmy Graham just takes away snaps for those two other individuals. Let Jesper Horstead, let Jesse James get those snaps. 
hey, at least we're, we're on the same page. Uh, we'll see if the coaching staff uh, is thinking similarly or not. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to at least add to my game plan this week uh, would be to keep finding ways to dial up those design rollouts. Uh, Justin was four for four, 440 yards on these plays a week ago. You know, you need to move away from guys like Hayward and Watt. You need to get field some time to get those clean looks. You know, he's accurate on the move. Uh, he has, we saw those last week and one of those was a touchdown to Jesse James rolling to his left and making the throw. And I do feel like when you have some of those design rollouts, I'm starting to see some more of those uh, horizontal routes instead of those hitches. So guys do have a little separation. They are able to catch these on the move, and that could help us find some of those additional yards after the catch, make some plays with the football in our hands. So keeping up with the design rollouts this week, I think, will be key. You just can't be super typical with how you do those. You need to do those correctly and make sure you sprinkle them in uh, at the right time. But finding a ways to at least do that more uh, would be a great way to keep this offense growing. And I, I know a lot of uh, Bears fans, including myself, you know, the mindset moving forward the rest of the season is Justin Fields' development. Uh, I feel like this is a great way to continue that uh, 100%. Anything else on this Bears offense before we switch our focus over to the defense? The only thing I would add to it is continue the uptick of what, or what I felt as an uptick in pre-snap motion and not just pre-snap where like you're taking the tight end across the formation letting it settle and go kind of that immediate moves across right away snap the ball because that helps identify coverage right and i if i recall correctly one of a jto sullivan qb school one of his videos talked about how it seemed like every single time the the bears ran routes for man the other team was in zone and vice versa when they ran routes for zone the defense was in man and a lot of that is just not being recognized by the receivers, by Justin, by the coaching staff. You need to recognize what's going on. If you're going to do that, using the motion can make it significantly easier. And not just any motion, but but motion for the sake of actually diagnosing, if that makes sense. No, no it makes completely you know, a lot of sense to me. Uh, that's a really good point. Well, let's kind of move on forward here and let's focus on this Bears defense. You know, this week, uh, so far in practice, no Khalil Mack, no Alec Ogletree, no Eddie Jackson. Mason, how concerned are you about these injuries kind of piling up on defense? I mean, it sucks. That's the easiest way to say it. I mean, uh, Nick and I talked about this right directly after that 49ers game. The defense looked old. It looked slow. It looked beat up. Uh, you know, Akeem Hicks was half, maybe three-fourths of himself out there. You don't have Quail Mack. You don't have Eddie Jackson. Uh, Alec Ogletree, I believe, also didn't participate uh, in practice today. It's rough. And... It's they're not the window is closed in my opinion for this defense. It's just it's not the same. Like when the Bears are in contention, most of these players we currently have are probably not going to be on the team. It just is what it is. Uh, and so now it's just more about what are you going to do with what you have. And at this point, you need to figure out how to actually have your linebackers, your secondary, be a true part of this defense. Because as we saw, when you don't have a Cleo Mack and he's not there to demand attention and he's not there to put pressure. You know, also Robert Quinn definitely looks like someone who recently was on the COVID list. He was a little more sluggish than he's been over the beginning of the season. When you don't have that pass rush, you have nothing. This this defense is non-existent after that. So how are you going to actually get this team as it's constructed and the young pieces you have to be able to develop in a way where you can actually cover anybody? Yeah, uh, you hit on a lot of valid and concerning points all at, all at once and you know no Khalil Mack and with the impact it has on the lack of pass rush which you know it makes sense right now you don't have Jeremiah Tachu uh, so that outside linebacker rotation is wearing thin uh, they're making some changes in the back end of it like waving a Sam Kamara uh, earlier this week seeing what they can kind of do to revitalize that but when all you have right now that's been established if there is no Mack come Monday night is Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson. You know, Gibson, a good up-and-comer, but he's not going to warrant the same attention as Mack, which puts more of that focus on a Robert Quinn. And as we see, Quinn thrives when all the focus is on Khalil Mack. Then he can win those one-on-one matchups on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So that's kind of where, uh, you know, my concerns lie with that. Uh, but just looking at this Bears defense, it's been on the downtrend as of late. Uh, last week was just very hard to watch. Uh, the Bears just struggled to provide uh, any resistance against the 49ers and what I'd call a very, well, just terrible performance. And just looking at this week's matchup, they aren't going up against one of the better offenses. Uh, in fact, they're going up against one of the least 
potent units in the NFL. Pittsburgh ranks 24th in total yards and 26 in points. And even though the Steelers have struggled to find some consistency on offense this season, uh, when you look at this unit, I just want to know, like, what challenges do you foresee uh, come this game? Oh, man, uh, there's, just, there's a lot. <laughs> That's the thing that just kind of stinks. Um, the biggest challenge I perceive for this game is going to be right off of that last game we saw, which is the explosive plays and stopping them. You know, you're coming off of Eli- Elijah Mitchell tore you up. According to Next Gen Stats, he owned three of the top 10 remarkable rushes with 33, 24, and 20 rushing yards over expected. Najee Harris, in my, my humble opinion, is a better running back than Elijah Mitchell. So if you're going to let that happen, you know, he, Najee Harris has had 122, 81, and 91 rushing yards in the last three games. What is he going to do to you? He's going to tear you up. You know, you have fresh legs, fresh-ish legs, being a, being a rookie, all that stuff. Same thing in the passing game, right? Last week, the Bears allowed an 83-yard reception to Debo Samuel. Expected was nine. And it turned 78 above expected. Steelers had two play top 10 plays in the category we talked about in terms of like remarkable passes themselves, a 50 yard reception, to Deontay Johnson and a 22 reception to Pat Fairmuth. So they can create their own explosive plays. And that's not even mentioning Chase Claypool, who's overall had a kind of a down year after last year, last year, he was super explosive. And honestly, I wanted him in the second round instead of Cole Komet, but you know, no big deal there. Like, how are you going to bottle up these young athletic pieces when you're trotting out these, no offense to the players, broken old pieces. <laughs> it just doesn't match up well at all. It, it doesn't. You know, you're absolutely right. I think Harris is my biggest concern in general. Uh, he is the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Month, although I think the NFL must have forgot that Khalil Herbert is also a rookie. Uh, I, I think that race could have been, uh, you know, pretty tight, uh, honestly. But uh, Harris, he has 140 yards or one touchdown in six straight games. Uh, he leads the team in rushing with about 480 yards, three touchdowns. He's also the second leading receiver with 49 catches. And when you look at the Steelers, you know, as a team, uh, I mean, sorry, when you look at this Bears defense as a team, they have three straight uh, uh, what, 100 game yards allowed? Like, this defense has been bad. They've been averaging 160 yards per game uh, on the ground over the last three weeks. And the Steelers uh, themselves have also gained at least 100 yards on the ground in the same exact span. So this is just a recipe for disaster when you're looking at this week's game because, and we haven't talked about it completely yet, but it's two bad offenses and then a good defense in Pittsburgh. Uh, Bears defense is kind of trending in the wrong direction. It's going to be uh, – this game's only going to go a couple of ways, and I don't like this Steelers offense finding their identity and finding a groove over the last few weeks. If you would have told me a few weeks ago about this matchup, I would have felt a lot more confident uh, than I am uh, right now. But, you know, we talked about a positive or, I guess, a strength of Pittsburgh. Is there a weakness of this offense uh, that you think the Bears can take advantage of? It's tough because one of their other strengths we didn't really talk about, they have a pretty solid interior of their line, but their quarterback is not great. Ben Roethlisberger is, like, just like we said for the Bears defense, he is old, he is beaten, his arm strength is down. He, I think he's got some weird stuff going on in the locker room even. It just He's always calling out his teammates and saying they didn't do the right thing, and you look at the film and then it turns out like, Ben, you threw it into like double coverage or you, you underthrew the receiver by five yards. What are you doing? So... I mean, if there's the weakness there, I would say make Ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger, excuse me, beat you, right? Try If you can't do exactly what we said that the Steelers are going to do to the Bears, try to take away Najee Harris the best you can, make Ben beat you deep, don't let him get the ball out relatively quick because his accuracy is down. Like I said, his arm strength is down. He's He is a shell of his former self. And he's never really – there's this weird thing where everyone's like, oh, Ben Roethlisberger is mobile. He's not mobile. He's literally just big. Like he just mm-hmm. is able to break tackles. And so – make him have to actually beat you with his legs and he won't be able to do that. And then again, that's a, that's easy to say. I think it's gonna be harder to do with this Bears lack of a pass rush without a uh, Khalil Mack. Um, but Ben's lack of mobility was my number one point here. You need to find a way to get to him. Uh, last week, again, the Bears had no pressure. Uh, the Steelers offensive blocking has gotten better as the season wears on, um, but still getting pressure is a great way to make that already struggling offense for Pittsburgh, not find any unneeded momentum for us. And you talked about the lack of arm strength. 
And so with that lack of a fear of a deep ball, you need to make sure that you keep everything in front of you and you just can attack downhill. Uh, last week, I think Roethlisberger completed uh, six of 15 passes that traveled at least 10 air yards. And he only attempted three passes that were more than 15 yards downfield and all three of which fell incomplete. So I think with that, you can be a little bit more aggressive with your safeties, uh, whether that's helping a struggling corner in like a Kendall Vildor or perhaps in run support uh, as well. Uh, Mason, what's your biggest concern uh, with the Bears defense this week? Uh, when I put this in my notes, I came down with a list of four, uh, which concerned me that I was able to easily rattle off four major concerns that I have this week on this side of the ball. But what's your biggest? I was going to say my biggest concern is that you have four concerns. That's a lot of concerns. Uh, in all reality, my my biggest concern is it's got, it's got to be that run game because if they can just establish the run like we saw in the Browns game, like we saw in the 49ers game, we, like we saw what that does to this defense because now all of a sudden a lot of your defensive linemen are more tired, right? You're having to have your safeties and your corners come up and make tackles that they aren't necessarily used to having to make. Like I don't really want to see Kendall Vildor have to consistently tackle Najee Harris. That's going to be really, really rough. Um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. So if, if unless you can not stop him entirely, but at least, you know, keep him relatively corralled, Najee Harris, of course, it's that's has to be the number one concern here, or at least for me. Uh, I'll just rattle off my four because I can keep him brief. Uh, number one, lack of a pass rush. Number two, lack of a run defense. Uh, again, they allowed 5.6 yards per carry last week, and this running back and this run offense is better uh, than we saw a week ago. Bad tackling. Uh, we keep continuing to see that. And then really just first and second down success. The Bears are really struggling here, only allowing teams to face, I think, 10 third downs per game over the last three games, which is the lowest mark of any defense. Like, it's really hard to get off the field when you don't even force third downs and you can't create turnovers. So the Bears' lack of success in these early downs or even just forcing that third down in general is a huge concern. Uh, just again, last week against the 49ers, seven straight scoring drives all surrendered. Should have been eight, but they missed a field goal in the very opening drive of the game. If the Bears allow that again this week, it's game over. I mean, immediately. We don't even have to talk about the rest of it. So just that lack of resistance uh, on the early downs to me is probably the uh, biggest concern. Uh, Mason, when we kind of pull all this together, like what's the game plan look like for this Bears defense this week? I think a lot of big nickel would be helpful. Um, it's harder now that with with Eddie Jackson out, of course, it would be interesting to see, do you put DeAndre Houston Carson deep or maybe do you let, because actually it was interesting when, uh, when Eddie Jackson went out, Tease Tabor was back there at safety for the first play. Um, and nothing, it was like anything bad happened. They just ended up putting DHC back at that point. So do you maybe go with that big nickel thought, have T's be played deep, have DHC maybe a little bit more in the box, sell out to stop that run, some more press coverage, right? Have Jalen Johnson, have Kendall Vildor really have to make the receivers go deep. And then that way, at least you can come up and play on the ball. And what are you doing with, with Roquan? We keep talking about how fast he is, how much field he can cover and while he is doing, he's certainly doing his job. He is not the problem on this defense by any stretch of the imagination. But I also don't feel like over the last couple weeks, I've seen as many pop plays from him. There weren't as many plays where I was like, "Man, where did he come from?" Right? There weren't. There, he's not getting those tips. He's uh, some of those little sideline sideline as often. But again, this is me being nitpicky, of course. Like Roquan again is not the problem with this defense right now. But I would really love to see him put it on him. Be like, "Hey, Roquan, if we're going to win this game, it's going to be because of you." Because you're going to be the one that controls Najee Harris. You're going to fill the hole, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's a big matchup uh, because of Harris's ability to be a receiver coming out of the backfield teal, too. So that's going to be you know, very pivotal. Uh, nevertheless, I think in general, you do need to sell out to stop the run this week. I'm not fearful of this offense's ability to kind of, you know, take the top off of this Bears defense with or without uh, Eddie Jackson. Roethlisberger's accuracy when he's pushing that ball down the field is just not there. Uh, it's not where it's been earlier on uh, in his career. So you do need to find a way to bottle it up and force them to beat you in those more unorthodox ways. Uh, Pittsburgh right now, uh, ever since I think, uh, you know, Claypool went out, they've been going a little bit heavier sets uh, with the tight ends, focusing in a run. Uh, they're able to kind of utilize those tight ends in the passing game too over that middle of the field. So if we're not 
with an Alec Ogletree, and that is a Danny Trevathan playing next to Roquan. Like, that's another area of the field that I'm a little bit concerned about, that you have to make sure you're helping out uh, with some of that safety help or uh, going with a big dime so you do have an extra cover defender in there would also be uh, a big one. So shutting down the run. Uh, and again, I think Pittsburgh only hits on uh, 65% of their passes, which is 23rd in the NFL, uh, 6.6 yards per attempt, which is 27th. Uh, so force them to beat you that way. And then honestly, just energy and effort in all four quarters. Uh, it's going to be a potential low scoring game. Uh, each, uh, you know, each team strength is the defense. And if the bears have a fourth quarter, like we saw a week ago, uh, again, that doesn't matter uh, what happens in those uh, previous three. So just to kind of bottle it all up, you know, don't allow the Steelers to become something they're not. And that's a productive and competent offensive team. Uh, they only scored 20, more than 20 points, three games this season. Uh, they've won every single one of those games. Uh, they're mediocre in the red zone, um, but the Bears also have been trending downward here. So uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I would just focus on selling out against that run and seeing if the Steelers can beat you in other ways. All right, let's move on to special teams. Uh, I'm certain you and I have the same exact biggest topic of the week, but uh, let's see if you do it first. I don't I don't know if we do. Um, my biggest topic of the week is going to be the uh, Steelers punter, Presley Harvin. He's got a pretty big leg. Uh, his long is of a 63, averaging 44.8 yards per, per punt. That's, to me, that... I've envisioned this being more of a low-scoring defensive field position kind of a game. And if he's able to pin you deep, right, put, make the Bears kind of inept, to be quite frank, offense, have to march down 95 yards. Or I'm amazed so far that the Bears haven't given up a safety. That's just something to me that's mind-blowing considering how many sacks and just how funky it's been. Um I really hope I didn't just curse the Bears by saying that out loud. But so have have that matchup along with Jakeem Grant and what he can do or not do. You know, uh, sometimes he definitely brings the ball out a little too aggressively. Uh, but for the most part, I do personally like it for the most 80% of the time. I'm all for what Jakeem Grant does. It's just that 20% where I'm like, really would have liked the ball on the 25 on that one, sir. Okay, so we did go differently, uh, which is good. And then we can have a couple different topics here. I thought the biggest one was Chris Boswell uh, for Pittsburgh uh, going down, their kicker, uh, who's still in concussion protocol, so he may or may not be able to play. Uh, so they did sign Josh Lambeau uh, in case, sitting on their practice squad, who's a very good kicker uh, overall in his career, but he did struggle in Jacksonville earlier this season. He missed all three of his attempts and was cut. Uh, so if they're kind of shaky at this position and what could be, a, as you said, a low-scoring field position game or maybe field goals kind of like what we saw last week for the 49ers could be most of the offense uh, that we'll see if they don't have a kicker that could really kind of swing into uh, the Bears' favor here. All right, Mason, it's time to hand out some X-Factors this week. What's your X-Factor on offense? Uh, for me, it's separation by the pass catchers. So far, there's been almost none on a weekly basis. And honestly, even in previous years, Allen Robinson has lacked near the, depending on how you say it, the top in, le- in least amount of separation by a receiver. Uh, when you have a rookie quarterback who want, doesn't want to have to shove it into tiny windows, that's obviously very important. So can the Bears receivers, tight ends create separation? And can the Bears offensive coaches, Nagy, laser etc scheme that open um you see it all the time in, in various other teams they're able to use like those pick plays to create separation of course the legal pick play and the few times you i've seen it with the bears it's either been a penalty or someone stumbles over it just hasn't worked it's like why can every other team do this and we can't so if they, they got to figure out a way to make it so that justin is not having to throw in tiny windows or that he's just throwing to the wide open person because it's a two-yard pass, and now that person has to try to, you know, create eight yards after the catch to make to get to the first. Okay, uh, for defense, my X factor is just whether or not they can overcome potential injuries and absences of these big playmakers yet again. Uh, we already know what happened without an Eddie Jackson. You know, even though we do kind of harp on him for the lack of tackling, like as you can tell, as soon as he went out, it was much easier for that 49ers offense to attack uh, this Bears defense down the field a, a little bit more, make some more plays. And you, you see a little bit of what Eddie Jackson brings to the table. If it's not just pure tackling in terms of like schematics, uh, it doesn't warrant his huge contract still, but still uh, it does allow offenses to 
don't know, breathe easier when they are passing downfield against this defense. Uh, without Cleo Mack last week, again, no sacks, no quarterback hits. The run defense totally fell off. Uh, allowed the 49ers, who are only averaging 16.3 points per game and their three games prior, to have seven straight scores. So can the Bears actually overcome some of these potential big absences and I didn't mention but Alec Ogletree would also be a big one uh, in my mind and on top of that too can they find a way to get turnovers going only one takeaway in the last three weeks no interceptions since week five can the Bears find a big play a big turnover on defense that they desperately need to kind of help out that offense as well all right, let's move over to our back-breaking matchups of the week. And I have offense. And I'm going, and I was torn between two, um, but I'm going to go with Cameron Hayward versus that interior offensive line, uh, Sam Mustafer, as well as the guards. Uh, Hayward, he leads the Steelers in total pressures with 26. Uh, also, uh, I think he has uh, 21 hurries, which is the most on the team by over double. Uh, he also leads the team in run stops. He's just a serious threat, one of those two-way defenders uh, right there in the trenches who the Bears are going to try to slow down. Uh, but I, I think try is the key word here. If you allow him to just tee off on Justin, allow him to immediately get into the pocket, you know, disrupt everything that the Bears are trying to do offensively, it's going to be a very long night. Uh, Sam Mustafer, as the season's going on, I think he's regressing a bit or just continuing to disappoint me. Uh, not really strong in the middle of that attack, uh, whether it be in run, uh, run blocking or as well as pass protection. Uh, so I do expect his Steelers to kind of put him over in that A-gap a little bit, whether it be you know lined up straight or on some of those stunts just to kind of see what Sam Mustafer can do to kind of help him out over there. And I know T.J. Watt uh, going up against Larry Borum is another huge matchup. I just have more confidence in a Larry Borum after one game watching him than I do so far in Sam Mustafer, who's ranked, I think, out of his position, Mason, 30th in pass protection and 38th uh, in run blocking. And there's only 32 teams, so you can do the math. Uh, what about you on defense? What's that backbreaker matchup of the week? For me, it's it's actually funny. I went something similar to you. Mine's a little more general, but it's the entirety of that Steelers interior line versus the interior of the Bears line. So, you know, Kevin Dotson at left guard, uh, Kendra Green at center, and then Trey Turner over at right guard. Uh, that really has to be – that's the important part of their inside run scheme. That's what's going to be important to keep Ben on his feet, to not have that immediate pressure up the middle. You have an ailing Akeem Hicks. He's still not 100%. Bilal Nichols has had flashes, but nothing consistent. And, honestly, Eddie Goldman's just kind of been there. Uh, Kyrus Tonga, to me, has had way more flashes, and I would love to see him play a bit more. I don't – Goldman talked potentially about retiring. I know that rumor was kind of floating around, and there's kind of that that old phrase in football when you're thinking about retiring, you're retired. <laughs> so it, you're wondering if his, his, he's all the way in this. Um, if you cannot get – no, you're not going to get a lot of sacks necessarily from your interior of your defensive line, but at least you need to be stuffing the run and getting some – collapsing the pocket a bit so that you can actually – your edge rushers can get there. And so far we have not been seeing that over the last couple of weeks. No, we haven't. And you're right. Tonga has been flashing, which on one hand, it's great to see a seventh round pick who's coming into his own a little bit. And he's been showing this consistently since training camp. So it's not just a fluke. It, there's something real and tangible here with number 95. On the flip side, on the other hand, you get real concerned about Eddie Goldman because you're paying him a lot of money. Uh, you, you didn't have him for a couple of years. And not that we all looked at him as like the savior of this defense, but we did think he'd help it uh, a little bit more than he has so far. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little bit of two sides uh, of that equation there, Mason. All right, let's get into who has the edge uh, this week. And it looks like I'm up first with the Bears' run offense versus that Steelers run defense. And I think on paper, I would give this one to the Bears. However, I do suspect, as I said earlier in the show, that the Steelers are going to just go all out and just shut it down like they did last week versus Cleveland. Uh, and they're good at containing running quarterbacks too. Uh, they do get to face Lamar Jackson twice a year. And when I found out that they've never allowed him to rush for more than 14 yards on a single carry, that freaked me out a, a little bit. Like, that was an insane stat to kind of come across. They do a good job in general of bottling up a Lamar Jackson. I think they already kind of have that in their game plan. They have to when you play in the same division as the Ravens. So even though we saw Justin Fields' best day as a running quarterback, I don't expect that to carry over 100% from last week over to this week. Uh, so even though I wish I can say Khalil Herbert and this offensive line is going to do it and get it done this week, 
uh, I'm going to go give it to the Steelers just because I think they show me with good team defense and just a focus and a mindset to stop the run, they can do it, and they can do it well. They did, again, Cleveland's no easy feat to kind of slow down. I know Hunt was beaten up, so they only had Chubb to worry about, um, but still, they did a really good job uh, at that. So for me, I'm going to give this one over to uh, the Steelers. Uh, so Mason, I go over to you, uh, this Bears passing attack versus that Steelers pass defense. So <laughs> we're looking at last week and we're saying, oh, look how much Justin's grown. And that's true. I think last week showed growth from him. But still at the end of the day, 70% completions, 175 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception with a pass rating of 84.6. That's still not like great. <laughs> you're still not super excited by that. And so now you're going up against a, a Steelers defense that can put the same, if not more, pressure Right. And you have to look at it in its totality. This Bears rushing line, old offensive line is, you know, Tarzan. And for some reason, their passing offensive line is Jane. I don't under it. They just can't. They cannot protect Justin. And so, yes, though, they've unlocked him a little bit more in terms of the runs. They've unlocked him a little bit more in terms of the rollouts to help take away some of that pressure. But I, I, I feel like the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, I, I think he's I think he's a great coach. I think he's going to have them ready to be able to contain what Justin's strengths are like you just said also with like the Ravens and Lamar Jackson so give that to the Steelers I think starting next week heck we can add it now but we should add Bears coaching versus opponent coaching to who has the edge because you mentioned a good point Mike Tomlin is a hell of a coach Uh, he's been in Pittsburgh for a long time there's a good reason behind it and so in terms of like if you're looking like if this game's even-ish on paper, like and it all comes down to coaching, like I don't like our odds there. So that may be a fun one uh, to kind of add. I think we'd both give it to the Steelers this week, so we're not going to make it an official point. Um, but going over to this Bears defense, uh, was, I'll give you the Bears run defense uh, that's been slipping versus this Pittsburgh rushing attack, which is starting to kind of heat up a bit. Yeah, I'm giving it to the Steelers again. Uh, their Najee Harris is ridiculous, and the the injuries, the age, the the lack of I don't want to say lack of effort because they're it's trying, but it's not the same. It's not this. The, they looked different just in terms of intensity. That's better intensity last week than they did in previous weeks. Uh, and they're just they are not the same defense. This just is what it is. Yeah, uh, which leads me into this Bears pass defense versus that Steelers passing attack. And I'm giving the edge to the Steelers here as much as it pains me to say it. Uh, The Bears have really struggled defending the pass. They've allowed two passing touchdowns per game over the last three weeks, uh, as well as a 110 passer rating, which is the fourth worst in the NFL. And the Steelers, again, they're just average, uh, 16th in passing yards uh, with some of the issues that the Bears have had in coverage lately. Uh, That should just be enough to move the ball uh, against this defense. No pass rush without Matt could very well to strike yet again and all comes down to how well the bears maybe just don't break in the red zone you know the sealers as we said don't really push the ball deep a ton this year but the bears are just allowing too much after the catch uh, and i think that's what's going to kind of come down to here this week so i'm going to give the edge to the Steelers, which leads us to your segment that i don't know what the name is uh, i have a just what's going down but bring it on mason what do you got for me i'm excited to learn some stuff all right, so this week, it changes every week, by the way, the name of this, show, of this segment. So this week's is Bear Down or Steal or My Heart. So I'm going <laughs> to give Will a Bears player. I'm going to give him a Steeler. And basically, he's going to pick real quick, gut feeling. We're going to go rapid fire through this uh, with these little these matchups here. Is he going to bear down with that Bears player, or is he going to allow a Steeler to steal away his heart? All right, so we're going to do offense first. We might reflect on one or two of your choices and then move on to defense. So, first, Allen Robinson versus Chase Claypool. Claypool. Darnell Mooney, Deontay Johnson. Johnson. Ouch. That one hurt. Najee Harris, David Montgomery. I'd take Montgomery. Najee Harris, Quill Herbert. Harris. Eric Ebron, Cole Komet. Komet. Uh, Pat Fairmuth versus Cole Komet. I still take Komet. Trey Turner versus James Daniels. James. Kevin Dotson versus Cody Whitehair. Dotson. And Kendrick Green versus Sam Musfer. Green. 
So the only one I would go back to is going to be probably Darnell Mooney versus Deontay Johnson. What are your what are your quick thoughts on that before we move on to defense? I just feel like Johnson's more of a physical threat. Uh, I know Mooney's really hard like after the catch to bring down. The Bears haven't been able to kind of leverage that so much. Uh, and I do have a feeling that you know Mooney, rising star, and with Justin, there's a lot of potential. But if we make plateau a bit, we may cap out a little sooner than uh, perhaps a Johnson, who I would say his ceiling could be a little bit higher. Gotcha. The only other one, like I would say, is like the Pat Fairmouth Cole Komet one. Like I'm a big fan of Fairmouth. I don't know what it is. To me, he's shown some more more flashes than even Cole did his first year, but it's still super early. It is. All right. And it's not like I've watched a ton of, you know, Steelers <laughs> tight end tape heading into this one, Mason. All right, defense. Akeem Hicks, Cameron Hayward. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Hayward here uh, at this stage. Give this question a couple years ago, may have been different. Kendall Villador, Joe Hayden. Ooh, uh, anything other than Vildor right now is my answer. All right, Minka Fitzpatrick, Eddie Jackson. Man, I'd go Eddie Jackson still. I don't know, contracts included, but in terms of a player, I'd still go Jackson. Minka hasn't had a great year. Evan Bush, Roquan Smith. Roquan. Terrell Edmonds versus anyone not Eddie Jackson who plays safety. I'd take Edmonds. Khalil Mack, TJ Watt. I take TJ now. Presley Harvin versus Pat O'Donnell. (laughs) Well, you're really moving on their punters. I'm going to trust you, and I'll go with them. I just like, he's six feet tall, 255 pounds. He threw like a fake pass in that Georgia Tech Miami game. He was on my seventh round pick, uh, hopeless for the Bears. Um, The only one that would be interesting to dive a little bit more into. Probably would have been the Minka Fitzpatrick A. Jackson one, but you already kind of talked about that. Yeah, it's I I think that Minka's just having a bad year, and so right now I think Eddie has had his struggles, but overall his coverage has a, he has a little bit more to add there. Uh, maybe not the big playmaking that we all want uh, as we talk about, but yeah, that's about it right now. And also, if I don't know numbers off the top of my head, but I I bet you I'd be happier. Well, not, I, I guess I wouldn't be happier with Eddie's contract than Minka's, if I had to guess. So that may sway me one way or the other if we were taking financials into the equation. All right, that was it. Good job. Thank you. That was scary. And I don't know if I ever want to do that again. It hurt to say, like, TJ Watt over a Mac. I love Khalil. I wish we could have both uh, in this defense. But, you know, TJ's a little younger, uh, not as... I don't say injury prone because Mac's not, but he has been dealing with lingering injuries since he's been here in Chicago too. But I, yeah, the I, reason I, I digress. The reason I threw that out, I started doing that a little bit with Nick, was because I, I feel like at times like, I'm so I'm such almost like a Bears homer where I'm like, oh, I love my player, and then when I've started to look like who would I really want, like when you take players who are in similar if not the same position, it's like, dang, there are really some people that I would give away and you know give away a Bears player for that other team's player. So. Um, I just think it highlights where the Bears ultimately need to get to. Like, the Bucks one was rough. <laughs> that one was, like, pretty much all, all Bucks players. No, that was a really neat segment. I, I appreciate you bringing that to the table, and uh, it will be interesting to see how, with a three-person show format, how that, I have no idea. How, how you can make that magic and spread it across. We'll see how it all kind of shakes out. Um, but let's get back into, uh, I would say, our regular scheduled programming and get into our predictions, uh, and let's play a little bit of you know, over-under, one of my favorite games here uh, on this podcast. So uh, all these lines come from our sports book sponsor, BetUS. Again, you can get a 125% sign-up bonus uh, with our code Chicago125. Uh, so Mason, uh, for this game in general, total points scored, over-under 40 points. Under. Um, we talked, I think, a little bit before the show. This is either going to be similar to the 49ers game where – the Bears just simply can't stop the Steelers, you know, it's a bunch of field goals and touchdowns, um, or it's going to be super, super close. And I'm thinking it's going to be more so just a very close game and low scoring. Yeah, uh, I'm going under as well. How about over under 246.5 passing yards for Ben Roethlisberger? His average this season is 244. Wow, that's that's higher than I thought it would be, honestly. Um, I'm going to go under just because i feel like they're gonna get a bit of a lead and then they'll probably just run it more so okay i'm gonna go over it just seems like the trend uh that the bears have had lately allowing quarterbacks to kind of 
play at a higher clip uh, than maybe they're expected coming into the game. Uh, over under 81.5 rushing yards for Najee Harris. Uh, he is averaging 98 yards per game in his last three. Uh, if I was putting money down, I would say over. Same. Uh, over under 38.5 receiving yards for Allen Robinson. Uh, he's only topped that number twice this year, which is p- so sad. Uh, under, why would I think it's going to be any different in this game? Basically, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it over just to be a little contrary and optimistic and hopeful. Uh, over under, and this is our last one for this: 185.5 passing yards for Justin Fields. Uh, I know his average is very low, uh, but when you look at the Steelers' defense, they do allow 240 passing yards per game on average, which is uh, 60 higher than the line. Uh, under, just because he's only gotten what, over that twice so far this year, and if I feel like they'll use more of the quarterback run, whether it's his choice or whether it's an actual scheme quarterback run play, that'll sap away some of the, the passing yards. Okay, I'm going to say under as well, uh, just because every time even like when I'm placing bets and I go over thinking this is the game, it won't be. Uh, So I'm going to keep my expectations low and allow him to exceed it, which will make me a happier Bears fan uh, at the end of the day, uh, which leads us into this week's bold prediction. Mason, what's your week nine bold prediction? Uh, I'm going to say Cole Komet catches four balls on at least six targets, one of which will go for a touchdown. All right, that is quite bold. Mine is Khalil Herbert will have more total yards than Najee Harris at the end of this game. I think it's going to be potentially close, uh, depending on how the Bears can combat that Steelers defense. But I think if that came true, that would be uh, slightly bold, but also a nice statement uh, for Herbert going up against a running back that was drafted quite higher uh, than he was uh, in that draft. So moving from the bold prediction... To the not-so-bold prediction, I'm going to say, and it kind of goes to our over-under, but uh, neither team will reach 20 points uh, in in this game. That's going to be my realistic prediction for this week. How about you? Uh, Justin continues building on his previous week and accounts for at least 250 total yards for this Bears offense. Oh, I like it. Uh, I like that one a lot. Who do you think is going to be the MVP? And at this point in time, it's all about Justin. That could be my answer, honestly, for the rest of the season, more so just because that's what the season's about. It's about Justin getting better. If they're going to win a game or be close in a game, it's because it should be because Justin is doing well. We've seen now that the defense is not going to be reliable enough, so it's going to be hard for me to say anyone on the defense at this point uh, actually doing enough to turn the tide, and no one else on offense is consistent enough to be able to hold that up. That's a really good point. I'm still going with Roquan Smith uh, just because uh, I think he's going to be paramount. Like His success is going to really determine this Bears one way or the other, although you said it too earlier. He's, he's not the problem on this defense, uh, but we need to see you know, how can the Bears leverage his strengths uh, just a, a little bit more. But hopefully it's a week where he plays pissed off, uh, doesn't want, uh, you know, he has a sour taste in his mouth from what this Bears defense has played like lately, uh, and he can kind of turn the tide uh, a bit. Um, but I wanted to at least go one way or the other. I, I had Herbert if we went offense, uh, so I was prepared uh, either way. Wait a minute. You didn't even do two bold predictions. What's going on here? Well, you said give me your one. I have two. I can go back in time. Yeah, and give, you my give other me ones. your two. You know that you do the two. When I say give me your one, it, and I think I said give me your bold prediction. Okay. So my defensive bold prediction was Najee Harris has his worst rushing performance of the year in terms of yards per attempt and averages less than 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, he only had 138 rushing yards in week two, but only had 10 rushes. So I didn't want to go total yards because I just because last three weeks he's averaged 24.33 yards per carry or sort of sorry carries per game so it would be silly to, to do it i think by total yards um in terms of my not so bold on defense the defense only allows 220 yards through the air and i say that just because when you look at the numbers yes they allowed 322 to san francisco but they allowed 226 to tampa bay yes they had short fields but at the same time that's still that's what the number is and they only allowed 169 to green bay so 220, I think, is totally possible. I think it's possible. I think, and again, I know the numbers are the numbers, so you can use them. 
Um, but at least for my context, Green Bay, right? Like that was a game that it was one of those weird games because there weren't a ton of possessions. Like yeah. the, the clock was running most of that game. And then for Tampa Bay, a lot of those short fields. And you know, watching that game, that if Tom Brady started at his own 10, he was going to march all the way down the field. Like they were going to really rack up those yards. But I, I, I see your point and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. All right, so let's get into our game picks, which Nick did text me a pick uh, throughout this episode. Oh. So we don't have to make one up for him. We do actually uh, get to use uh, his pick. So here is our leaderboard entering uh, the week. Uh, Nick's on top at six and two. I'm second at five and three. And Mason, you're you know on the bottom there at four and four. We all lost one because we all chose the Bears last week. So. Uh, let's go ahead and just go from the top down this week since Nick already kind of texted his pick. He's going 24-20 Steelers. Uh, if I had to guess, he would just say everything we've already said, and that's his reasoning uh, behind it. So uh, Nick is going with Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm in a very similar boat, and I think you and I have referenced this throughout the Who Has the Edge portion of the show, I think kind of showed our cards a little bit. Um, but I have the Steelers winning as well, and my final score is 19 uh, to 17 uh, Pittsburgh. And I'll get some more details behind it in my confidence meter, um, but that's at least where my pick's going. Uh, how about you, Mason? Well, I mean, like you said, I mean, we literally gave every edge to the to the Steelers. We said a bunch of really sad, <laughs> negative things all show with things we wish the Bears would do versus the things we've actually seen them do. And that's why I'm saying 16 to 13 Bears because I need to gain a game on you guys, and I don't know how else I'll do it. This is the game, huh? <laughs> it's Monday Night Football. We're, I mean, yes, the Bears are terrible in primetime, but really weird things happen on Monday Night Football. I mean, we it just it happens, and I don't know. I just feel like there's a chance, a slightest of chance, that Justin can truly build on what happened last week. All right. I like... Uh, I'm not going to say the confidence because you haven't given me your confidence meter uh, just yet. So we will say, uh, you know, I like the pick. Uh, I like the optimism uh, behind it as well as the strategy because you're right. You do have a couple games uh, that you need to catch up, at least on Nick. Uh, so you have to shoot your shot sooner rather than later. But where is that confidence? Like, even though you have the Bears and you picked them in a low scoring kind of game and we gave the edges all the way to the other side. So I'm certain this is probably kind of low. Uh, would you consider a one to be low? Tremendously. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Uh, for all the reasons that I just said before, um, I mainly, like I said, I mainly picked what I did because of stratagem <laughs> more than anything. And then uh, also because, again, because of the weirdness of, of prime time, of the fact that we are all thinking a low scoring game and like literally just a single touchdown, right? Maybe a double dip. Uh, I think that was something, if you go back to the 49ers game, that really messed the Bears up, was the that they wanted to have the score, leave not enough time, right, for the 49ers to get the ball, and then score again coming out of the half. That didn't happen. You know, they left too much time on the clock. The 49ers were able to score. When you do the math, essentially, you know, that's like a, I think, a 14-point swing, potentially, that went on there. But if we're thinking that it's going to be as low as it is, I picked 16 and 13. One field goal missed, one you know, one touchdown one special teams play where Jakeem Grant does take it you know all the way for a touchdown all those things can can make it funky uh but it's as low as it is for all the reasons we talked about they're the the team is old the team is a lot explosive the weapons that we thought would progress more haven't progressed more if anything maybe we've seen some regression from a couple of pieces the Bears are playing like 21 million dollars of their salary gap to players that aren't here or aren't a part of the team really and it's like you can't be a really successful team when that much of your money is going to players that aren't on the field it's there's just a lot of funky stuff going on there that is going to be really hard to overcome the Steelers are coming off some positive going on there right they're on the opposite kind of a trajectory um when when coaches get desperate like let's be real can't imagine Matt Nagy isn't not desperate I think I used too many negatives in that sentence but basically he's desperate you do some weird stuff that might lose you games. 
All right, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty low stuff. I'm at the three uh, myself, so I'm, I'm right there with you. This is just two teams going in opposite directions despite this very similar record. Uh, the Steelers, again, coming off three straight wins. They're building confidence on both sides of the ball, and they're showing progression. Uh, where the Bears are regressing on defense and still maybe without Khalil Mack, which is huge, as we saw. And I just expect the Steelers to succeed more against this Bears defense than the Bears offense can do against the Steelers. Uh, it's going to be that ugly, low-scoring type of a game, but at this rate, you know, I'm not going to be surprised if the Bears do allow the Steelers to score some. Uh, Pittsburgh has stopped 20 points three times this year, uh, and two of those came against the top two defenses and points allowed this year in Buffalo and Denver. So they are they have shown the ability to put up points uh, against some of the most stingiest defenses uh, in the league. And when you look at this Bears defense, they've been the opposite of stingy. They've been very generous. They've given up the fifth most points over the last three games. So surely the Steelers are going to be capable of putting up some points. And if Pittsburgh reaches that 20 mark, you know, that magic number that the Bears just can't seem to, you know, score over uh, themselves, I don't have any confidence uh, that the Bears are going to keep up uh, against the defense, uh, the Steelers defense that's only giving up 16 points per game in their three game winning streak. So for me, it all kind of shakes out over there. It's going to be interesting. And I, I do think. You know, a loss here is going to show the differences uh, in coaching, too, uh, as we talked about as well, about how well coached one team is versus another team that is poorly coached and how that can impact the game, too. So it would be a pretty good microcosm of all of the Bears issues coming together here on Monday night under the lights. Any final thoughts, Mason, before I wrap up? Uh, I'm really glad the bye week's next week. Um, It's, I think, going to be a good time to reset and really think about where this this team is going um it's it's gonna be it's just gonna be interesting to to go you know, there's, there's so many changes happening in the nfl right now the the extra the extra game that's happening the changes to the rooney rule which allows you to talk to or interview coaches at different times but there has to be a vacancy these next couple weeks are going to be huge for what the future is of the bears because if they have another where are they at now four game losing streak if they get into another six game losing streak that's going to be uh rough waters yeah to say the least um but yeah the bye couldn't have come at at a better time and i think we're going to echo that sentiment and that statement uh late monday evening but that's going to do it bears fans i want to thank everyone who tuned into the show uh whether it's here in a live stream participating in the chat or watching the replay or if you're one of the thousands of listeners of the podcast anywhere across the globe but just know that we appreciate you all uh, the next time they hear from us will be our primetime postgame show on Monday night. Will the Bears you know, go Mason's way and find a way to pull out a victory? Or will they fall for the fourth straight? And we can talk about that. Either way, it should be uh, pretty interesting. But until next time, have a great weekend. Enjoy a full Sunday of football, of watching other teams. Um, if that's what you're doing, I know that's what I'll be doing. Uh, and it'll be fun to kind of see what's going on around the league. Um, but until Monday night... Bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.